You're listening to the Hardcore Honeys Podcast, starring your hosts, the snarky, the sassy, and the pretty Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson, the all-knowing, the all-wise Shay Vassar, and the man in the middle, Mr. TJ. And here's the show. Hey, you guys! New episode of Hardcore Honeys soaring in. So, Jade, Shay, how's it going today? You guys ready for some new basketball to return today off of a pretty interesting week, that is? I mean, could the basketball season have gotten more dramatic? If you had asked me last week, I would have said no, but that would have been wrong. Yeah, we... (laughs) What a time. I mean... I was actually just thinking about this before we hopped on because I actually went into Manhattan today because my boyfriend got a haircut and I was walking around and I was like, oh my God, this is the weirdest year of my life. And that's kind of just everything, you know, it's like, it's not really the greatest weird either. Like, it's not like I'm like, oh my gosh, so many surprises that I absolutely love. Uh, So I, I think it finally hit me like six months later that this is not a nightmare. This is like reality. <laughs> I want NBA 2K to come out with a special edition game where it's in the bubble. Oh my and gosh. You also have to deal with all the other social and world issues at the same time. And the way your player reacts to it depends on how long they stay in the league. Ooh. That is my idea. 2K, if you hear me NBA now. NBA 2K Woke Edition. <laughs> I love it. We need 2KW. it. 2KW. Oh, oh, fun stuff. Well, this week is probably pretty obvious for everyone, but just in case for the ones that have been living in a hole, this week is going to be primarily about the players and just the league protesting games after the tragic shooting on Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, leaving him paralyzed from the waist down with it. So we're going to be talking about how the league, besides the players, are stepping up, options on how or where to go from here, plus just from take some players in the media that we've been hearing from it. So we'll just start off uh, with you, Jade. When you first heard the news of the Bucks skipping out on playing against the Magic, were you thinking that this was the tipping point of the playoffs being done? I thought it might be. I definitely did not feel confident that the the season was going to finish. And it happened kind of before that because it was Boston and Toronto who were talking about it first, about skipping their first conference semifinals game. So as soon as I heard that, I was kind of like, really, did we start again to to have to stop and it wasn't COVID, right? Because the big thing going into the bubble was, oh, COVID's going to get in and everything's going to go to hell and everyone's going to get it and we're not going to be able to finish. And then it was like, oh, we might not be finishing and it might have nothing to do with COVID. Didn't see that coming. What about you, Shay? Were you on the edge of the season being over? Were you like, no, they're going to they're gonna figure something out to make everyone feel like their point has been at least heard? Did you feel like that was going to happen or no? I mean, I could see it going either way. I think, too, because the amount of time that the players had spent away from their families... You know, I didn't really want them to lose out on that just because, you know, they've been away from their families and everything. So it's at the same time, we don't want to waste 
the, these players' times, and especially in 2020 when it's been such a hard year, some of them have had COVID, have recovered, that sort of thing. But also, I was very supportive either way. Of course, from a selfish standpoint, like from a fan standpoint, I mean, I want to watch basketball. I wanted to watch basketball in March when this closed down and I wasn't able to. And then when this started back up, I was so stoked. But that's from like a very human point of view, from like my more unselfish point of view. I also really admired the players for for sticking together and for figuring it out altogether, despite all the tensions that come with being on different teams with different beliefs, with different experiences. So it was a lot of emotion for like the last four days. It was just a lot. Yeah, that it was a roller coaster for sure. I was saying, you guys can attest because I was telling you guys this, I thought the season was done. I was just like, you know what? If players are skipping out on games, which full support with, with it all, I could see them just being like, you know what? You guys have your priority set for other more important issues, which we understand completely. But, I mean, like you were saying, Shay, selfish Taylor, yes, basketball. Humane Taylor, okay. <laughs> but, it happens. So, yes, like Jade was saying, uh, the, the Celtics and the Raptors were thinking about it. Bucks were the team to do it. Shay, how was it important that the Milwaukee was the first one to do it? Since this was starting from... Wisconsin. So how important that they were the ones doing it? I thought that that was really special just because, you know, with everything that happened with George Floyd earlier in the year, you know, we saw a really nice solidarity attitude go for Minneapolis. And then we are now seeing that behind Milwaukee, which I know that there was tension that supposedly was coming out of the bubble with teams not knowing but at the same time if they're the Milwaukee Bucks they need to stand up for their city and I get that and there is like a certain fact that with them being away from uh, Wisconsin and with that same issue of police brutality being a um, something that they wanted to stand for and then it happening while they're away from home it, it makes sense that they did that so I, I don't know. I thought it was it was special. And then I did like that immediately. The other teams, you know, OKC and Houston, they got together and they were like, no, we're going to also stand in solidarity. It's just they definitely no matter what created the conversation that needed to happen and they furthered it, which is, I think, the biggest thing is it made national headlines again. It wasn't just ending with George Floyd and people getting over it and Black Lives Matter like dying down. It's like they are keeping this conversation alive. And I think that's really important. Yeah. In the end, that's just the conversation needs to be constantly brought up. So, Jade, are you surprised on how well since the players did not go to the front offices with this right away? Are you surprised on how the front offices responded by saying they didn't go to us, but we're 100 percent behind them or not at all. I mean, not at all. Even if they felt that way, they're going to have to take the other stance. There's no way to say how dare they and it be okay right now. That said, I think they genuinely are behind them. Yeah. But there's no theory under which it would surprise me that that's the public thing. 
And I that's also, why I had to ask. I also wanted to say about the Bucks and the Magic. Like, I kind of get where the other teams were coming from, especially the Magic, and them not letting them know while the Magic are out there warming up. Like, it kind of makes them look like asshats. That's a good point. No, that's very true. And to me, I kind of thought of it of like being someone's girlfriend and them dealing with something and them not calling or not showing up because of it. And I'm always, it takes 30 seconds to send a text message. Like, absolutely deal with whatever you're dealing with. I'm sure it was important. I'm not mad at you. But shoot me a damn text message. And I feel like that would have been a nice courtesy for the Bucks to ex- extend it to their opponent in the game that they decided to sit out. And, like, I understand. I get that it was high tension. I get that it was near Milwaukee. And I think it was important that Milwaukee did it first. But of an entire team closed off in a locker room, nobody had could text message some player or some assistant coach or coach or somebody else from that other team and be like, oh, by the way, guys, we're not coming out. It seems like a small thing from the Bucks' point of view. I get that, but I can see how it would not feel like a small thing from the point of view of the Magic. That was the thing. Yeah, I was thinking, I was just like, man, Orlando's still shooting. Did they not get the memo on this? Right. Or... Like, they're in the same building, and we knew, and they didn't. Right. Like, that shouldn't it's happen. It's like when Harrison Barnes got traded when he was on the bench for the Mavericks. But in the middle of the game, find out, he got traded to the Sacramento Kings. It's like, well, this includes me. I would have liked to know at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great game today, Harrison. Pack your bags. You're going to Cali. Oh, do we have a surprise game against the Lakers? Nah, man. You're a king. <laughs> okay well some other things that i've been surpri- pleasantly surprised with is um the other day uh the refs and other team workers um started taking to the magic magic kingdom streets and doing their own peaceful protest marches for themselves shay what does it show as just yes we've been seeing it from players and coaches but now it's even getting into just like almost the blue collar part of the league which the refs, the ball boys, the people, the court maintenance people. Like, what does that show about just everyone are, about being there? I obviously, I know the demographics of the players, like the racial demographics, which is majority not white and then majority within that black. But I don't know the demographics outside of that. But I'm going to go ahead and assume that because they, it is the NBA, it is basketball, that they're probably also majority like BIOC, BIPOC. I never say that out loud, so I never know how to say it. But so within that, I think this is where a lot of people don't understand when it comes to what's going on because they look at the contracts and what these players are getting paid and they're like, oh, what a lot of like whining these guys are doing. They don't know what is actually happening. They're not suspect to police brutality despite us knowing that that is false because several of them have had run-ins with police or within their childhood growing up and just outside of the NBA or while they were NBA players. Beal got that. Right. He had that happen when a player, as a player. As Exactly, as a player. And, you know, there has been more people who have talked out since this to be like, I didn't talk about it, but now I'm going to talk about it. That, you know, unless 
you have a memorable face in the NBA, you might not get the same treatment until someone sees your name and they're like, oh, I recognize that name. So I think that it's really important that the same people that maybe we don't know their numbers because, well, they don't have numbers. Like you said, it's a ball boy or it's a referee that maybe we don't really know. You know, they're not the, the main people who we watch this sport for, but they are still not exempt from racial issues. Like I, I, that's, I think the biggest thing. And, and the fact that the NBA has, a has at least allowed this to continue with, with throughout the love, different levels of, of people associated with it. I mean, of course, at this point, it's like, I don't think they would have let all these players come in with their Black Lives Matter shirts on the courts. And then all of a sudden they want to do this and do peaceful protests and do a, a couple day strike and stuff and then be like, no, that's too far. Because at this point, the NBA has to allow them to have their platform, which is why I think that it's great that these players and other employees are using that as well. I know that there was people at the offices here in New York. I don't know if they're back in offices, but they were also striking in solidarity, you know, even from office jobs, like smaller office jobs. And I think that, again, it shows that actions from the players will ripple, the effects will ripple into other aspects of the NBA, which is, again, I don't know the demographics, so I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, it's definitely majority black, but I'm going to go ahead and guess <laughs> just with the the amount that a good amount of the people who are, are at least showing solidarity because they acknowledge that there are issues, racialized issues that need to be stood up against. So, Jade, how happy or surprised to, for you to see um, refs and the other workers finally doing something too. I mean, they might, I shouldn't say finally, they might have been doing something for to be finally um, put on the news that this was happening. Yeah. So I had, I had a few thoughts about it in terms of the, the racial makeup of the group of refs, the diversity, I think it's actually pretty low. I think the majority of NBA refs are white men. There's, two or three there's for sure two women i don't think there's more than three i think um, you're right i think it's two i think it's two and there's only a handful of black male refs as well um so kind of my take on it was as somebody that would identify with the overall demographic of the refs if you don't understand what they are doing you probably don't personally know enough black people and I think that's something that a lot of people who don't really get what's going on, they take out the individual stories of people. And I think the refs get it because they spend all this time with the players who, as Shay mentioned, the majority of the league is black. I was talking to somebody this week and they were saying to me that, well, racism shouldn't be such a big problem because the United States is correcting it faster than any other country has ever done it before. And I said, Okay, but think about this. 400 years in the making? 400 years <laughs> is the fastest ever? Well, I feel like there's been some numbers that have been crunched wrong. Well, not really, because if you think about other ancient civilizations that also had slavery, like, they went down still using slavery. Like, ancient Rome, um, you know, those types of big world superpowers so that's kind of what he's talking about i'm not saying i agree with him i just say i i get kind of where he's coming from oh no yeah but my point was that doesn't mean anything to the people that are affected by it 
So I gave him an example. I said, I read a study recently that showed that black women who rock their natural hair like I do are less likely to be hired for certain jobs than women who spend hundreds of dollars on wigs and weaves that then have to be replaced regularly. So I said, imagine you're a single mother. You're just trying to put food in the mouths of your kids. And in order to make the same income that that job that won't hire you because of the way your hair grows out of your head, you have to work three jobs and still try and raise your kids by yourself. How much do you think she cares that the U.S. has corrected it faster than anybody ever has before? And I said, multiply that by hundreds of years of slavery and oppression in every single black person that's ever lived in the United States and tell me how much it matters that they're fixing it faster when a woman will still be less likely to be hired, not because she is not qualified to do the job, but her genetics make her hair curly or nappy or coarse, literally a thing she cannot change about herself, but she can spend $300 on a weave every six months. And that would make up for it, right? So like the coming back around, I think the refs understand it better because they have personal interaction with people who are dealing with this. And I feel like people who don't get it, a lot of the time are missing that. They're missing those personal stories of, oh crap, what would I do in that situation? And then you can go to the next door from that story and get another one. And then everybody in that house has a story. And then everybody on that block and everybody in that community has that story of the way the system sets them up to fail and how it doesn't matter that you're fixing it faster. It doesn't matter that changes are happening. They're not happening fast enough for the people who are affected by it. And I think if you don't get it, maybe it would be a good idea to look at how many personal stories do I know? How many real conversations have I had? with people who have experienced it, not secondhand stories, not through the media, sit down and have a conversation and see where that lands you. Because I think that's why groups like the refs who are not predominantly African-American makeup get it. And those are the ones that I feel like can almost have even more of a responsibility of getting it. Because like you said, they're predominantly white. These are the people that need to be, myself included, we need to be the ones learning right now. We're not the ones that should be saying how it should be, how it should be done. We're, should, we're supposed to be listeners. We're not supposed to be the ones talking, as I'm talking right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm really contradicting my point with that. Yesterday, I think, was they had a full league meeting and just people voicing their opinions. There was two teams that said they didn't want the season to return. Clippers and why? those two LA teams, Jade. So my initial reaction was 100% Jade brand snark. And that was both of these teams only have the successful season if they win a championship and both of them know they're not going to. That <laughs> That's where a, my brain went first. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> like, I was like, both these teams have been playing super lackadaisical. While then you look at the top teams in the East and they're just getting into rhythm right now. Like, oh no. If you guys are still trying to find some some like chemistry now, it's too late. Shout out for saying lackadaisical and not lackadaisical because that makes me insane. <laughs> lackadaisical. That's not a word. People think it is. <laughs> like I said, Jade, I'm smart enough to have vocabulary to pepper in to make it seem like I'm smarter than I really am. 
Hey, I just think it should be acknowledged. Well, we call you. out people for using wrong words. I think people should be praised for using words that people usually use wrong correctly. Positivity. That's right. You know what? Yeah, let's get some positivity. Congrats, <laughs> everyone. Good kudos today. Good grammar. Um, but Shay, what was your initial reaction when you heard those were the teams that were like, no, no, we don't want to do this anymore? I found this really weird because this was really before we were getting reports from inside the meeting from individual players. So I'm like, so the whole team unanimously on both LA teams, the whole, every player was like, yes, we, but no one else was. That well, it's weird. LeBron on the Lakers. If he says yes, then everyone says yes. Well, and that's why I was like, who was it just the representative of each team from the Players Association. Like, who made this agreement for the Clippers and the Lakers? And because that was just weird to me that no other player was like, I actually don't think we should continue playing. The, you know? tweet, that, the tweet that I saw from Woj, and I think he was retweeting someone else, but it said that they voted, both those teams voted no and left the room immediately thereafter. Right. So it's like how they discuss this. Like, again, Everyone on both of those teams was like, no. I have a hard time believing that. I I didn't quite get that because, like, how it just seems like a weird proportion that, I mean, how many are on each team? How many did they bring into the the bubble? I think they were allowed, like, what, 36 or something like that? But then it's like, so let's just say that 36, including the coaches and everyone, you know, but only the two sets of, of 30-ish people from LA voted no. I just like, it's so weird to me. I just, and and so then I, I started wondering like if there was like a poor, I don't know, like poor player who usually sits on the bench that I can't even think of a name, like was like, but I actually want to keep going. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, and he was like, Russo was like, I skipped out on my daughter's birth for right? this. Right. We're gonna play. <laughs> well, and if then she's gonna like, look back at her 18th birthday and being like, wait, <laughs> My you skipped out there. on my birth to play basketball, then it got canceled, and you and be like, I'm sorry, honey. Be like, no, I am done with this family. That's why I have <laughs> daddy issues. Um, but then it's like, uh-huh. it's weird because, like, I know everyone, for some reason, trusts LeBron to be, like, this moral compass of the league, and I don't quite understand because it's like, you look at other players, and, I mean, even... Russell Westbrook going out to the LA protests that were going on uh, before the bubble came back. And it's like, was there some moral ground that for some reason, say it was like Kawhi and LeBron who were speaking for those two teams, that they were on some higher moral ground than, than other people who have been active within the Black Lives Matter movement, within social change movements over the last couple of years. It just feels like a really weird report. Um, and again, it makes me think that it's just like one player from each team like said something and then they're like, oh, well, we have to go with it. And then they left. I I don't know. I just like I really wish that we could have been a fly on the wall in there because I feel like we're getting so many contradicting reports. And I'm like, just don't report anything then. I'd rather nothing than some of this other stuff. And this is just a question I've uh, come off the top of my head right now. Do you guys think the league puts too much responsibility onto LeBron for coming up with something to say. Jade, oh, Jade and Shay, both of you. Is Not there even too a little bit. LeBron loves that. Yeah. 
LeBron would be there for that 100%. LeBron would be there if they said, we don't want to hear from you. There's no pressure being put on LeBron. LeBron wants it. What about you, Shay? Well, I think think there's like, it's not necessarily even the league. I think it's like other media outlets. And that's why they throw a, a microphone in his face and he wants that. And then he says something. I mean, I think back to the whole uh the issue last year with the the china thing at first he was like you know all for hong kong and then all of a sudden they were like dude you have to like bring that back because we're the nba and we actually kind of support china and like you know you have some connections with china as well and then all of a sudden he walked back his statement and it's like sometimes i think that he just likes the popularity and i mean it's just i don't know i i can't get on the LeBron train with that with yeah. his stuff so I well, I 100% think LeBron has a god complex a bit um and we talked about this before when uh, a few weeks back when we discussed the messages that they were going to be allowed to use and we talked about LeBron opting not to and I said listen I think LeBron's too big for his britches and that's why he's choosing not to it's not because he doesn't agree with it, doesn't support it It's because nobody asked him what he wanted to say. And this, to me, backs it up. And I know that you were going to segue into this, but I'm going to do it because we're here. Um, Reports came out that some of the younger players didn't like the way that he spoke. And that it seemed like he thought he was above everybody. And I'm like, yeah, duh. I I thought about it after that. And I, I realized that because he's so good at basketball, People, I I think his younger peers, especially these types of players who were saying they didn't appreciate his tone, because he's been so good at basketball and that's been their life, they've been willing to defer to LeBron on things. But now that it's real shit, that kind of demeanor and that I'm better than everybody else thing, one, it's noticeable because, dude, LeBron, you are one black man in the NBA. You are not the black man in the NBA. Right. You're one of a bunch. And two, Put it, it's not yeah, basketball yeah. anymore. It's it's everybody's thing. And you're still trying to be above it. Like you're better than it. And it's easy for us to see from the outside. But I think this has been a situation where their eyes are a little open about things that we've thought about LeBron all along. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, guys. This is why some of us don't like him. In spite of the fact we can admit he's a great basketball player, I don't enjoy him as a person. And this is this is why. I think a lot of those players are going through the, oh, I probably should have never met my idol. You know yes. how they like, tell you not to? And a no, lot of the players that are younger in the league, they grew up being like, I want to be just like LeBron James. And they've said that like you know I grew up watching LeBron and wanting to be like him and now they've met him and they're around him and then like Jay said we're dealing with like a real issue this isn't basketball this isn't even inequality within the NBA necessarily this is inequality in life and racialized inequality within life which all of these players can talk about in a in a way or another so it's it's a whole different issue that LeBron is not the superior voice on. All of these players have an experience that they can use to talk about this issue within itself. And so it's like, oh, maybe he's not as great. Like, he's still a great basketball player, and I still want to play like him and have a name like LeBron James one day as recognizable. 
but maybe I don't want to be like him. Exactly like him. Yeah, because I, I, this reminds me of when we were doing the last dance stuff, too. And I, and I came to this conclusion where I was like, a big part of society's problem when it comes to celebrities and actors and athletes is that if they are exceptional at something, kind of as a blanket way of thinking, we accept them as being exceptional at everything. Right. And they're not. And so it's kind of jarring when there are moments where you can realize, oh, like nobody should ever be excluded from being criticized, in my opinion, ever. And because LeBron has been so and and not to say he hasn't done amazing things with his money, not questioning that at all. But this is the kind of situation where a really savvy leader who didn't have so big of an ego would have gone, you know what? Everyone knows I'm LeBron James. Let me take a step back and see what my peers are saying. See what these people who I'm supposed to be a leader of are saying instead of getting up on my high horse and being like, oh yeah, I'm better than everybody. And even if he doesn't believe that he is, right? Clearly it might be time to look at a mirror and ask himself, am I portraying myself as if I think I'm better than these guys? Has has he been in the limelight too long then? Absolutely. Completely. Like so he needs to hang it up for everyone's sake. There, there would have needed to be some really strong grounding forces in his life from the time his high school games were being aired on ESPN. Exactly. With all the basketball greats in the intro in high school. Like I understand how it's difficult to live that life and maintain humility. I understand why that would be a challenge, 100%. There would have had to be somebody in his life all the time to take him down a couple notches in a loving way. Oh, yeah. But somebody to be like, hey, Bron, you need to check yourself. And I don't think he's ever had that. And You don't think Dwayne Wade kind of brought him back sometimes? Because I feel Dwayne Wade's kind of a down-to-earth kind of dude. But it wasn't enough, clearly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, he only played four years. Exactly. I was going to say they... That would have needed to happen while he was still developing as a person. I think by the time he met Dwayne Wade, it was too late. Oh, yeah. Now that I'm watching The Last Dance, like, I'm having this realization because we're watching it while not only do I get to watch basketball on my TV, I can hook it up to my computer, I can have it on my phone, I have updates to my phone from, you know, Bleacher Report, I get tweets, I get everything. And it's like, oh, that's the difference between kind of the world that LeBron and even Kobe to some extent like grew up in versus like Jordan and these guys who became superstars, but they became superstars even after really college. Like, yeah, even if they were in the first round picks, they weren't broadcast to the world in the same way that LeBron was broadcast starting in high school. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, there is like a different mentality because the game has changed into like, obviously Michael Jordan change the game technology makes it more accessible to where we knew who LeBron was from the time he was like a kid essentially (laughs) and then that's the way you know even like his son Bronny that's kind of they're kind of bringing him in he has not only the same issue coming on and I, I mean I don't know if he you know has a god complex I'm not saying that but he is already has the legacy of his father and we're already looking at him from like how old is he like, we've, we've known about this kid, though, since he was, like, 13, 14. So it's, like, it's just a different time where we're really, like, we broadcast these people's lives from the time that they are children. And it's kind of sad. 
And yeah, so, and I, to put yeah. the social media part of it into perspective, LeBron James follows 190 people on Twitter. So that covers what maybe four teams worth of NBA players and coaches out of 30. He has 47.1 million followers. Yeah. Right. So when you can, when when you look at the snapshot of what your life is and is like, damn, 47 million people care about what I tweet. Unless you are very aware of yourself all the time. Yeah, I could see how it's easy for that to, to for a person's ego to get out of hand without very conscious effort to stay humble. And I don't I think LeBron has wholesalely failed at maintaining any level of humility. Is it the reason with the younger players getting upset with him too? Is it LeBron also just not wanting to give up the torch yet, Jade? I don't know, because like we said, I, this is coming into light because they're they're dealing with real world stuff and not basketball. Um, and and the way people love LeBron, like I I, I don't think they would care about that honestly. I, I don't think that's what it about what it's about. I think it's about the reality of listen, dude, we're dealing with a situation that we've all dealt with. None of none of the rest of us are LeBron James, and I think they're happy to admit that. Speak for yourself. But <laughs> wait, you're LeBron James. Um, <laughs> but because it's something that's like, look, I deal with this. I've dealt with this. I was raised in this too. It's a terrible idea to take a stance of I'm higher or I'm better or I know more when you're dealing with a group of literally your peers, right? They might not be his peers in terms of his NBA career or the all-time greats conversation or all of those things that LeBron James has. But in terms of racial inequality, racism, all that stuff, they're on the same playing field. And the smart thing would have been for LeBron to realize that. Yeah, but that means he would have to be introspective, which I think we've already uh, um, talked about that. It's kind of a vicious circle, eh? Yeah. And I feel like we usually see it a little bit more with like NFL players, actually. Just because bas- or football in this country is so much more usually under a magnifying glass where, uh, you know, I just, I feel bad for, I mean, again, I grew up in the Midwest America. So it's like, if you're a five-year-old boy and you like tackling things, they put a helmet on you and throw you on a field. And basketball is a little less like selective because you have to have a, a certain like mix of skills, usually with height as well, uh, which knocks some people out of playing basketball nowadays so it's it's just like an interesting thing that I mean you you see if you go on any college campus the fact that athletes can get away with with a good amount of nonsense but I think LeBron kind of got that when it comes to basketball yeah when when he's just I think he just needs to retire soon that's just my final take with that so Pat Beverly now, I know you guys know a little bit more than me about this. So using some comments, disrespecting, what was the woman's name? Michelle? Michelle Roberts. She is Robert. the pres- she's the head of the Players Association. Okay. And then he told her, we make your money, not you. Uh, he, so, so the way that I read it happening, and this was from a New York Times article from, I thought, somebody who was in the room, but we'll get into the contradictions later, I'm sure. Um, But what happened was she was presenting, my understanding is she was presenting 
the numbers in terms of losses should they decide not to resume the season. The numbers in terms of money that the players stood to lose. Pat Beverly decided he didn't agree with those numbers and interrupted her to say so. The way it was written was that she politely asked him if she could finish her point, And he said, no, I pay your salary. Uh, a little bit of chaos ensued. People like uh, Chris Paul, um, Haslam were names that were mentioned, stepped in and said that kind of disrespect wasn't going to be tolerated. I'm glad that those two guys, as much as I don't care for Chris Paul, I'm happy he did that. I don't really care for Chris Paul either. I mean, I didn't think he would be on OKC this long, and I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like, eh, yeah, he's on my team. But I, I will say, I guess he has, I mean, he has done some good stuff with, with not on the court. That is admirable. I just don't like his presence on the court. I think he's kind of whiny, like Harden. That's why they got along until they didn't get along. But anyway. I gotta ask, do you think it's true, Shay, that he, he said that? I mean, okay, this is the same Pat Beverly that we see game after game, right? So yeah, I, I like I didn't read that when it was just even tweets being reported and be like, oh, that's out of character. Exactly. And that's why it was weird when all of a sudden I saw like Zubox who tweeted and was like, that was not what was said. I was there. Like, I don't remember exactly what he tweeted, but that's kind of how I remembered it. And there was a couple of other people who were like, that's not what Pat Beverly said. But then it's like, I'm sorry. Why would it be reported if that's not what he said? And again, the fact is we can believe that it was said because of who said it. I mean, there's other players that if they had said it, we'd all be like, wow, he must be going through a hard time. Is that true? But, like, none of us questioned it. None of us questioned it. So the no. fact that it was reported and it's continuing to be reported and then his own player or teammate is like, oh, no, that's not what was said. Like, I, like I'm, like, like, 99% there that he said it. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. My other part of it, too, was, like, why would somebody feel the need to make up something like that? There's not enough drama to write about already. This is right? literally coming out of a meeting in a season where we stopped playing in March because of COVID, figured out how to finish the playoffs in a bubble, had to work out who was going to end up going to the bubble, who was going to get to play in the playoffs, started the playoffs, and then stopped the playoffs because of racial and social justice issues. Who needs more drama than that, (laughs) that you would need to make up a story like this? TNT took a hold of the we know drama thing and then took it to a whole other level. (laughs) Took it to a whole other level. We just needed to add some sexism in there, you know? That's the one thing we didn't have in all of that. So let's just add that in there. I just want to say, like, if it's true, and I'm with Shay, I I 99% believe Either that, what as it was reported, or very, very close is what actually happened. Exactly. This is, first of all, a Black woman in a position of power. Pat Beverly, that is a bad look for you right now. Right. But on top of that, this is a woman who said when she was pitching herself for her position with the Players Association, I'm paraphrasing it, but I'm going to get it as close as I can because it's epic. I am... A woman whose history is littered with the bones of white men who thought they could sleep on me. Damn. That's the black woman you want to interrupt who is the head of your players association, Patrick Beverly? 
Like, dude. That's a mic drop moment right there. Right? That's a That's mic how she got the damn moment. job in the first place. And does this show anything more with Patrick Beverly's character? Because, like, it, yeah, I know he's kind of like a tool, but no, it this does is a whole other level of, like, just bigotry. I was one of those people that was like, eh, it's his on-the-court persona. All the players have right, one. Right. Whatevs. Now that it's off the court, I don't want nothing to do with Patrick Beverly. Like, I, I like the way he plays defense. I don't mind the mind games that he plays with basketball. Of course, as a former fan of the bad boys, like, I get that. I don't right, mind right. that. But that's in the game, right? Keep the game playing in the game. But if that is who you are as a person, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. Is that always been him or is that the L.A. effect? I don't care who you are. Whenever you go play for an L.A. team, you change. That's it's interesting. the environment that you're there. You're in it all the time. L.A. really does have a certain yeah. thing about it. Like, we, I, I just recently uh, professionally parted ways with somebody who was raised around Toronto but works and has been successful in marketing in L.A. And it's become that kind of thing where it's like I lived in the city in the GTA where she lived. And I'm like, you don't seem like you're from there. Like, there, there's definitely the LA effect. That's real talk. Like, that's not theoretical. That's a real thing. LA's a weird place. And I, don't get me wrong, I love California weather. I think there's cool parts of LA. But the attitude just in general out there is odd. And so I, I could get how Patrick Beverly has just always been somewhat of a tool. But then it's just like he got comfortable in it. And I'm all about shady people, like, or like shady in the sense of like, I love his attitude sometimes. I mean, even I forgot which game it was, but it was recent where he was on the bench and the camera kept looking at him and he kept going like this to the camera. And I was laughing because that that was funny. Like, he's like, why are they putting the camera on me? And I love that kind of attitude, like, you know, where he's in control. But then if you're going to use that kind of control to just be rude to a woman who is in power over you and who is she it doesn't seem like she was even pointing out something bad she was just or like even saying she agreed with it she's just like i want you guys to know this here's is the, what's at stake here's the information these right. are the numbers it's not it's, like, it's her not job no great black and white and it's her job to protect his interests exactly that is literally her job it's literally her job so you should be happy to pay her salary first of all Second of all, anything I've ever seen or heard or read about her is that she is phenomenal at her yeah. job. So, like, if it's true, dude, like, bruh, that's a bruh. <laughs> There's someone that needs to get some education. Yeah. To get educated on that. Well, I think we've done a pretty solid stab at what's been going on real quick. I think we can head this back into fast break, get a little bit lighthearted with it. It's been a little bit of a heavy episode, but... Before we go into the fast break, fast break today is sponsored by PropMe. PropMe is a social wagering platform catered to the everyday sports fans. It has peer-to-peer betting marketplace for social wagering. It's an all-sports betting platform that includes eSports, a company that leads in social wagering innovation. Join PropMe on the Google Play Store or Apple App Store today. Sign up and join the movement. Okay, this week for the fast break, there's been news coming up every single moment of every single day. I've had questions on Wednesday that I did not use today because the answers had already been, or questions have already had answers to and all that stuff. 
So yeah, for for our listeners, a little bit of background information that's kind of fun. Like usually Taylor gives us an entire outline and specific questions he's gonna ask a day or two before we record. And this week we were just like, screw it, we can't do it. Like yeah. we just can't do it this week. I can't. So. Actually, one more thing before we go into the fast break. I do want to thank you listeners. Sorry we weren't there for our live stream on Thursday, but we were uh, respecting the players and we were kind of doing our own ways to honor them as we're going to take the night off. We're going to do that. So thank you for your understanding with it. Uh, This was was a team decision with us. We thought it would be best for it in honoring the players. Back to the fast break. The news coming out left and right. Shea is... Woj, the best reporter in all of sports, because I can't think of too many other reporters just in sports in general where like if he or she says it, it's it's the truth. I will say I have a new respect for him because of this week, just because we did not know what was going on. And that as a basketball fan, as like people who write about basketball, who talk about basketball, that was where we were getting our news. And in a world where we do usually get a lot of instant news that is unreliable, I did feel like a lot that was coming out from him, even if it was just tweets, it was reliable and we were getting some kind of coverage. So I I don't know if I would say the best, but I definitely have a new appreciation for him after this week. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'm going to uh, stay there. You're going to stay there? <laughs> yeah. You expect him from this week? And, okay, okay. Jade, what about you? Woj, best guy in sports? or? So I'm going to try and keep it as succinct as I can, too, but I have a few things. I can't comment on all the sports because if it's not basketball, I don't give a crap. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I can't really, from a place of knowledge, talk about other sports reporters because I don't even know their name. But, okay, well, so we'll, we'll switch it to basketball. Okay, so in terms of basketball, which is where I was going to go, I'm going to throw in a little pop culture reference here. Um, How I Met Your Mother is one of my all-time favorite shows. And one of the episodes centered around the different character stamps of approval. And Marshall's stamp was garbage because he put his stamp of approval on everything and everyone all the time. And Lily's stamp was gold because if Lily said it, it was right. If you followed it, you you came through the experience and found out, yes, this is good stuff. That's how I feel about Woj when it comes to basketball. Anybody else can say it and I'll go, hmm, okay. But if it comes through Woj's Twitter account, I'm like, gold stamp. I can I can repeat this and not feel like an idiot. Also, if it turns out to be wrong, I got it from Woj, so no one's gonna be mad at me about it. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. a true thing. So, and then when he was suspended, uh, uh, how long has it been now? Six weeks ago. That was that, a rough. That's two right. Weeks. Like that was another one of those situations where missing him made me appreciate him so much more because for that entire two weeks, I was like, okay, I have to check like five different verified NBA media accounts and if they all say the same thing I'm confident that it's probably right and even then I'm not 100% whereas with with Woj he's the gold standard he's the gold standard of NBA reporting okay so still gold standard got it next question is news just came out yesterday Porzingis is out for the rest of the season with a torn meniscus Jade you and I spoke about it a little bit um, but I'll start off with Shay with this then. 
Uh, do you think he's the new could-have-been player? Because it just seems to be injury after injury after injury with this guy. Uh, I could see it, but I always want to say no, just because he is still so young. And I really want to see more from this Mavericks team, which obviously we won't see him as part of it right now. But I just want to say no, just because I don't want to jinx Okay. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Jade, new could have been player, or we still got a shot? So my take on his age is kind of the opposite of Shay's, maybe because I'm so much older than you guys are. But I know that it gets it gets harder to heal as you get older, not easier. So when it's this many, this close together, it's my same concern with Zion. People are like, oh, he's so young, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, dude, he's a 19-year-old that's had to have knee surgery, right? right? Like, no, that's true. That's a thing that happens in your late 50s to 60s, usually, when you, you have to start talking about knee knee surgery. And so with Porzingis, it's kind of the same thing, like, because it has been so many and he's so young, it's just like, it's hard to imagine him all of a sudden getting so much better from here. And an example might be Steph Curry. Steph had a lot of ankle problems young at, in the early part of his career, which clearly he overcame. But his problems were in one specific area. Kristaps has had ankles, he's had knees, he's had pretty much everywhere in his legs he's had problems with. And so it makes me wonder, is his body just not built to withstand NBA level basketball? And if he does turn out to be one of those, if only he had been healthy stories, uh, it would surprise me zero. Oh, wouldn't I? Okay. Okay. Well, for some teams, they have lost in the first round this week. And of those said teams, um, they've gotten their coaches fired for the most part. So, so far, we've had three coaches fired since everything returned. We have Alvin Gentry, Nate McMillan was just fired, and Brent Brown was just fired. This is going to be a, like a two-part question. Okay, uh, Jade, out of three, those three coaches, who should not have gotten fired? I want to I add, like, a caveat to my answer. So, 100%, I don't think Alvin Gentry or Nate McMillan should have been fired. And I don't think Brett Brown should have been fired first in terms of what that organization needs to actually do. Okay. Uh, Shay, which coach did not deserve to be fired? I was going to say Gentry. Uh, just because I'm like, that team didn't really even get a chance to play together. Uh, and there are mostly a new they're rebuilding so i mean i gentry's a decent coach i don't know why you wouldn't rebuild with him but that was know. my same argument for nate mcmillan though because like they didn't have depot most of the year true they went to the bubble they didn't have sabonis they're a young team they just re-upped with him before the season started right like, i just feel like front offices and owners have so little basketball actual knowledge they're executives rather than basketball minds a lot of the time and so let's be indiana's got larry bird in the front office i think he knows a thing or two about basketball well that is a bigger head puzzler to me than it was (laughs) i wasn't actively aware of that but i don't understand how you can think with the the personnel they had available and the personnel they didn't have available with the age of the team and the competition they were going up against in the Eastern Conference, like this should Eastern shouldn't, Conference isn't a pushover anymore. It's not. It's not. And so this should not have been. I I don't see Indiana's season like to me getting swept shouldn't be an automatic coaching fire. 
I agree. Unless it wasn't in Toronto like with Wayne Casey. What's that? Unless it was like three straight years of it. Yeah, it's got to be multiple years. One year, one and done for a sweep should not be a policy. No. Um, all right, so then part two of this fast break question, which out of those three, Jade, will find a job first? Uh, probably Alvin As a Gentry. head coaching, not as assistant, head coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say probably Alvin Gentry. With Alvin teams Gentry. like the Pistons and the Bulls looking. Yeah. Um, and then, um, of course, you've got the other teams that fired their head coaches, the Sixers and the Pacers. Like, there's a lot of head coaching positions open this this offseason. Like, be the Nets right now are going hard for Greg Popovich. I think Greg Popovich is actually retiring this year anyways. Yeah, I don't so. see him coaching anywhere post-Spurs. Like, no, I don't right. see him doing that. It's like I seeing, also heard, though, that they were going after, uh, or someone is going after D'Antoni. I think that, yeah, the Nets are too. Nets are just trying to get every big name as they possibly can in one team. Right. They're trying to build a super team. They're yeah. trying to do what L.A. is failing to do this year and not right. learning from the mistakes that are literally happening in real time. We're watching. Yep. So, Shay, <laughs> who is going to get a new job first? I don't know. I. Mm, this is so hard because it's like, at this point, can we even predict what basketball is going to bring us in 2020 I mean the way I see it is like they're all just going to end up like trading coaches like Alvin Gentry goes to Philadelphia Nick McMillan <laughs> will go to like the, a weird little Pacers. love triangle of coaches and teams yeah that's essentially what I think we're going to see go on and I think we're also going to see a couple more coaches get fired oh, I think yeah. it's going to happen I mean again D'Antoni like Mike his Malone, whole thing is not Malone. working out and they are not happy with him in Houston. So they See, lose. I, I think Brett Brown maybe is the last to land somewhere. Um, I've been very vocal about how I think Brett Brown isn't Philly's biggest problem. And I stand by that. But I also read an article. Um, I want to say it was the Athletic or Bleacher Report. I can't remember exactly, but I tweeted it. It's in my timeline somewhere. That went kind of in-depth about Brett Brown. And one of the things that was said that's kind of common knowledge is that he doesn't like confrontation. Mm. And I'm like, okay, you're a head coach of an <laughs> NBA basketball team. And, like, don't get me wrong. I understand not liking confrontation. I hate confrontation. But if my situation or my job requires me to handle a confrontation, I'm going to handle it. I still do and it, so yeah. It sounds Crap. like yeah. Brett Brown dislikes confrontation so much. And then they gave examples like how he said in a interview, I expect Ben Simmons to shoot one three-pointer a game. Well, that article, what I got out of it was that he never had that conversation directly with Ben Simmons. <laughs> So that kind of, it, that to, what I got out of that article was like, you know what, Brett Brown, maybe assistant coach is, is what you're best at. And you, you could be okay with being just the best assistant coach, but Which maybe head coaching, title. Yeah, maybe head coaching just is not your jam and that's okay. Right. Well, I think McMillan's going to, no, actually, I think Gentry's going to get a job first because I think he got the least of, I think he had the shortest leash with it all. True. But, okay, before we wrap up today's episode, um, we are going to do some little uh, memorials for some people that just recently passed. So just this morning on Saturday, Clifford Robinson, 18-year uh, vet, 
played for five different teams, was really known on the 90s uh, Blazers squad. Uh, he had a real solid career in uh, New Jersey and in Golden State, too. He was a sixth man. He was an all-star for a year or two. Um, one of the original big uh, stretch four guys. One of the originals. So thoughts out to you, Robinson's family. I know it's got to be tough. And then also another uh, little shout-out for Chadwick Bozeman. Black Panther, Jackie Robinson. Yesterday was actually Jackie Robinson Day in the MLB. So they took onto the field for 42 seconds. And then after that 42 seconds, uh, they walked off. And then they postponed the games. Which is crazy because usually Jackie Robinson Day would have been in April. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is just head on as usual. Oh, wow, yeah. So just to... Shout outs for them, their careers that that were great, and Chadwick's that was just blossoming even more. Thoughts are out to those families. But okay, well, on a note, Hardcourt Honeys, they Wakanda forever. You guys, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever.